My name is Russ Shaw. Is anybody listening? Can they hear me when I call? I'm shooting signals in the air. Cause I need somebody's help. I can't make it on my own. So I'm giving up myself. Is anybody listening? Listening. Good Charlotte. Welcome. This is ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. I am your host, Russ Shaw, and this is episode 92, The Second Commandment. Um, that song, I love that song. It's dear to my heart. It's called SOS by Good Charlotte. And uh, listen, my email address is russ at asi247.org. If you've never talked about this, if you've never opened up about this, if you've never admitted this to anyone, man, do it. You need to talk about it. Um, on the website, asi247.org, there's blogs, there's message boards there where you can um, talk about this thing as well. Uh, get it out of you. Get it out on the table. Start talking about it. Go talk to a, a pastor, a, a counselor. Start to talk about this because it, it grows, man. It grows inside you like like my friend uh, John said. It grows like mold, okay? You need to get it out of you. You need to start talking about it. Um, I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, kicking off the uh, the second uh, second commandment here with that. And uh, really, you know, I'm I'm dead serious, man. It's getting you to talk about this thing is so incredibly important. Behind your eyes, behind your ears, you, listener, again, stop doing this on your own. Stop thinking you can just download a podcast and it's going to save you. It's it's not. It, it it helps, all right. But that's the biggest chunk of advice I have for you is to Get it out of you to talk about it. Um, that is so critically important. Going to get right here into the uh, the second commandment. I love that song, and I wanted to uh, bring up the fact that, um, first of all, uh, announcements, uh, Facebook. I'm on Facebook if you want to search Russ Shaw around Seattle, Washington. I live in the Everett area. Um, again, I say on every show, my Facebook page is not the Sexual Addiction Facebook page. It's just simply my Facebook page. And if you want to contact me through Facebook, you can do that there. Um, again, tell me you're a listener to the show. I don't accept friend requests from people I don't know. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the deal. So I'm looking forward to seeing you on Facebook. Because if you listen, I consider you a friend. I do. Um Doing the show from the uh, studio today, which is my RV that I still own because I couldn't sell it. <laughs> I tried to sell it. We had some financial hard times, tried to sell this thing, and, and we got it down to like 2300 we were going to sell it for, and no one would buy it, right? They're like, eh, economy's been rough here anyway. But, uh, yeah, we we still have it. Um, took it out last weekend and had some fun over the weekend, 
took it down to Boom City, lit off some fireworks. Man, I love fireworks, love lighting stuff, uh, firecrackers and bottled rockets and, and mortars and things that go up in the air and explode. It's just awesome. Fourth of July is coming this weekend, and it's a big, huge uh, celebration here in the United States, celebrating our Independence Day. And uh, love Fourth of July since I was a kid. Some of my most fondest memories, uh, positive, good memories were of the 4th of July and just lighting off fireworks. And, you know, fireworks are risky, right? Fireworks are, are a great, uh, a great analogy to joy and, and, and ethics and why there is certain rules in the world. I, I talked about how sex is like fireworks, right? Like you don't open up a box of fireworks and, and light them off in your living room. It's just not a good idea. Sex is kind of like that. And I know a lot of people don't like to believe that, that they can just fall in love. It becomes this emotional thing. We're driven by emotion. And uh, we just come together passionately and, and have sex. And it's just awesome. And, and sometimes really bad, jacked-up stuff can happen. Um, and really beautiful stuff can happen. And in, in God's uh, redemptive love... He can, he can, you know, he can change all that and, and renew and redeem all of it. But uh, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself here today. I'm, uh, I'm excited to do, uh, to do the show in the RV today uh, because this is, I, I know I talked about the last show, you know, I don't have a lot of time and I'm, you know, I'm doing this in my van because I just don't have a lot of time and really I don't make the time. This is a discipline for me. I'm going to start doing this, and it's going to be a discipline for me to take the time to, to come in here and, and do a show for you because I think it sounds cleaner, and it's just it's going to be better on me to be able to discipline my mind to sit down and, and do a show because eventually if I have to do public speaking, which I've been asked to do in the past, I've done some of that, um, I'm going to need to discipline my mind to not be all chopped up. I've talked about books that I'm uh, writing. You know, I have a couple of books in the works, and they're just in little pieces all over my computer. And um, this is a step in disciplining my mind to do what God's called me to do, and to make this more about Him and not Russ Shaw. And uh, so, pray for me in that, man. Pray for me, because I, uh, I, I discipleship, right? Discipline that we need to get through the day. You know, I discipline myself to get up and go to work every day. Um, doing this is another part of work, another kind of work. And, uh, yeah, again, pray for me in my, my discipleship, okay? My uh, my ordered discipline of, uh, of being able to um, organize my mind. Again, that opening tune by Good Charlotte. I am. Uh, I love that song. It shows a heart that is looking for answers. I don't want to die alone. I'm so scared. Drowning now. Reaching out. 
holding on to everything I love, crying out, dying now, need some help. I love that. Like a lamb to the slaughter, right? That we're, we're poured out, that we're, that's Romans 12, that we're constantly being poured out as, a, as an offering. That we're, we're sac- our bodies are living sacrifices, that we're being sacrificing ourselves over to what? And then when you realize that what you've sacrificed yourself over to is owning you, and you ask for help, like this is not just this thing over here that I like to do. It's actually owning me. It has me in its clutches, and it's controlling my life, and I'm out of control. Step one of the 12 steps. My life has become unmanageable, and I admit that, and I'm asking for help. I love the humility in that tune, man. By Good Charlotte from that album, The Chronicles of Life and Death. I just love that whole album. Help inspire this uh, series of shows. And um, along with John Frame teaching a, a uh, lectures that I listened to on ethics from Reformed Theological Seminary. Uh, and how that hit a jacked up uh, rock and roll dude like myself. And uh, the, the, just the, the fact that God loves us enough to put out some, some rules out there, right? That he's not this uncaring, unloving father who's just like, oh yeah, I love you now, you know, go play in the street or get out of my hair or you bother me, son, so go away. That he would actually set up this these steps, these things that we could do to actually follow um uh, C.S. Lewis had a great analogy to this in the books, kicking off the book Mere Christianity. He talks about this ethic that if two people get in a dispute, in an argument, right, there's always some kind of unwritten ethic that they want the other person to understand, right? Every time someone starts yelling or someone gets in an argument, there's always some kind of an ethic involved there, right? Like this person knows what's right and they want the other person to see what's right. Okay, that's what's going on. That's um, the book of James says that. Isn't the reason that you uh, argue is because you're selfish? I mean, really, you're just selfish, and that's what you're trying to do. So, but what does that mean? I mean, where where do we go with that? Because there's a certain truth going on between any dispute, any argument that one person wants the other person to understand, and that's really what's going on. That there's a there's an ethic. There's a me-centered ethic in most cases that the other person wants that person to be comfortable or, you know, just do things because... Are we doing things because it needs to be done the right way or are we doing things because we want to be comfortable and we're used to our way of doing things, you know, whether it's the right way or not? I saw this uh, Pepsi commercial that I, that I loved and they said this line in this Pepsi commercial which I thought was cool. They were talking about what's cool, right? Like blue jeans and t-shirts and leather jackets and over the years and showing this. Thing. And, and the tagline was um, every new generation, um, what was it? I, I'm trying to recall. Um, that's right. Every new generation refreshes the world and i love that that there is a better way to do things when we get down to you know engineering and stuff like that that eventually we can cut through our own pride and our own arrogant selfishness that sometimes there becomes a certain way of doing things that's better than the old way um See, styles change, but the ethics stay the same, right? It's the same laws and the same um laws of physics that govern the world 
are the same, but styles change. Like, for example, church. Here's a great example. Like, some churches will be so rigid in their style that rock and roll is evil, right? That that kind of music is of the devil. And yeah, they just don't understand that it's a different style. They hear something different, and they think it's, they assume it's evil because they don't understand the deeper ethic. Um, IBM and Microsoft is a great example, too. Uh, Microsoft here in the Seattle area, Bill Gates starts this little company that... Uh, you know, we know about, right? If you, you do computers, you know about Microsoft. Um, just, hey, come to work, come as you are, be who you are, and just write code, write good software. That's all we care about. IBM, on the other hand, is, you know, you're going to come work here, you're going to wear this you know, blue suit with the white tie and just very rigid style that they kind of forced on people. And uh, I guess one is going to be conducive to more creativity and one is going to be more conducive to um, rebellion. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm talking about? That the ethics that are underneath it are the same. They're both writing the same code. Um, the churches both have the same gospel but i think when the gospel changes when it becomes when it stops becoming about the gospel and starts becoming about religion is when um the style has to be the same and that's just not really true that there's something deeper going on past style um i pray that you get that i, I hope that makes sense to you because gravity is gravity no matter where you go whether you're in the in in africa or iceland or, you know, does that make sense? It doesn't matter your style, it's just truth. Truth is truth. I think when it comes to ethics, there is a standard that goes back, you know, the book of Exodus, when was that written? And we're not really sure, thousands of years ago. But people, I think, over the years are consistently trying to add to this and to change it and to make it something that it's not. And uh, so... Anyway, that's what I'm going to try to to get to to the show because hopefully that first song that I kicked off the show with, if you're like me, resonates with your soul because you're looking for answers, you're looking for help, you're trying to understand how did I get to this place, just all jacked up, sexually addicted, wanting to change, and and being powerless, um, as the first step and the twelve steps would say, being powerless over your addiction. And I do believe that willing to admit that is a big thing, just like the 12 steps teach, like the first step. Willing to admit that is a, is a huge thing. But at the same time, knowing that uh, we've started creating our own ethic, right? And again, before I get ahead of myself, I'm going to talk to you about this uh, this app. Check this out. It's called CrossConnect. Um, it's an app that you can download for free. I have it on my Android. Um, they probably have it for the iPhone as well. But... Uh, it's it's the ESV Bible. Um, it's just for free, and you can download. And you can actually listen to the Bible on your phone. Um, check this out. Here's uh, here's Exodus 24 through 6, the second commandment, and uh, the narrator here is a guy named David Cochran Heath. So we'll give him a plug as well. But uh, yeah, it's a free download, free uh, free app for your phone, the ESV Bible. So here you go. The second commandment. It's the longest one, too. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, 
but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. That is uh, Exodus 20. And listen, a lot of you aren't into Scripture. I get that. A lot of you look at the Bible and, and as this big book of religion. Again, go back and listen to episode 90. I talk some about that, episode 91. Um, but I pray that you don't uh, become what you hate, like being a hypocrite, right? Like we're all hypocrites to a certain degree. And I think that one of the things you can do to become what you hate and become a hypocrite, a religious, self-righteous hypocrite, is to look at, at some of this stuff in the Bible, this scripture, and say, you know, just kind of write it off. And, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to, email me about it, right? Or talk to a pastor about it. You'll just kind of write it off as, oh, yeah, well, this is what I believe, and I believe. So you default on yourself. You know, that's what I talked about in the last episode, that you becoming this self-righteous person who stays alone and think you know everything. And I say this because I love you, and I say this, this is my story. This was me for years. You know why I was stuck 20 years as a sex addict? Because I didn't talk about this kind of deeper stuff that was going on under the, you know, that my cognitive dissidence when it came to scripture. I never talked about that. I would solve it on my own because I defaulted on me because I rely on me because I'm a survivor, man, because I can do it because I'm the man, right? It's just self-righteousness. It's being a self-righteous religious jerk. And that's what I was. Okay. I didn't wear a, a, a big hat on my head like some of the Catholics with some robe. I wore a leather jacket and dirty jeans and a rock t-shirt. And that was my religious garb. Okay. Self-righteous, got my own ethic. I'm fine. And I don't talk to no one about what's going on in my heart. Okay, that's stupid. I'm, that was me. All right? I'm judging myself here. But that is a stupid, self-righteous, um, great way to stay stuck. So I want to throw that out there. If you don't, you know, if there's stuff in the Bible you don't agree with, have the have the courage, okay, to actually talk about some of that cognitive dissonance going on in your mind, some of that uh, that stuff in your heart that you're you're struggling with. At least talk to someone about it. At least have the courage to have a dialogue and have some uh, some debate on it. All right. Again, I'm only going to encourage you in that direction. Um, another piece of scripture that goes along with this. Now, listen, here's the deal. That is the rule, right? We live under the blood of Christ, Russ. You've talked about that for, you know, 90 episodes, um, living under the grace of Jesus Christ. I've hammered grace, grace, grace for years um, that we get Jesus. I mean, that's my thing, that, that we get Jesus and what Jesus did, who Jesus is, that Jesus is God, right? God came to earth as a man, as, as the Augustine or Augustine or whatever his name said, early church father, that God added to his divinity, humanity, that God became a man, walked among us and paid the price for our, our debt, right? Our sin, that these rules are not necessarily there, that we do them, that we need him, that we're driven farther and closer to him. Um, because I think we, we, man, we get that as addicts. We know what we should do, right? Talked about that in the last show. Um, Martin Luther wrote this book, uh, a great book, called The Bondage of the Will, which uh, was kind of a dispute that he was having with this guy named Erasmus about the, uh, the topic of free will. And I think a lot, if I look at Luther's heart in this, this was written in 1525, by the way. Um, that's kind of one of the funny things about ethics, something that C.S. Lewis says, that there's really nothing new, that we're, it's just old stuff being experienced by new people, 
right? And uh, I love that as far as ethics are concerned. But yeah, The Bondage of the Will was first published by Martin Luther in 1525. And, uh, and I think a lot of Luther's heart is going after this concept of willpower, that we can do it, man. If you just bear down, bare knuckle it, white knuckle it, you can really, you can get in there and you can do it. Um, here's a quote by Luther. It is quite wrong to argue that the words, if you are willing, must mean, therefore you can. Um, that's something that I think that we, in social circles and in social psychologies, I think it's one of the reasons we stay alone, that there's a lot of people, we, and some of, the, some of it for me was me judging other people. Like, I can judge, those people can change, they just don't want to, therefore they stay the same, they stay the way they are. Um, that's the way I judged other people, and then if I was honest in those times where I was hurting and I was alone and I felt like that song, SOS, that started, you know, by Good Charlotte, that... You know, if I could, if I really wanted to. And then it starts this self-hatred type of cycle going on. And uh, can I just tell you that that's not true? And that God doesn't throw out these rules so that he, you know, make you feel like a lamb, you know, led to the slaughter. Um, I love that uh, that line in, in, in Romans 8. Here's a, here's some more scripture for you um, from, uh, from my app here, from the ESV Bible. Uh, check this out. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the really the big idea that I want you to understand from this show, that I want you to take away from understanding the second commandment because yes there is rules there is ethics out there what are we going to do about it how are we going to get into this pattern this rhythm that god created the word earth, the earth to just be in because the the second commandment is going to say that right for the the wrath of god is being poured out on those who hate me um jesus is going to say um, Jesus that bought our sin, that, that went to the cross. Like, he could have evaporated the whole crew. Like, I heard Matt Chandler in Texas talking about this. Like, if you're watching this as a movie, you know, if you never heard the story of Jesus, you're watching The Passion of Christ, you know the power that Jesus has. You're just waiting for him to, you know, to just, you know, evaporate the whole crew. All these people that are pinning him to the cross, all these people that are spitting on him, that are shoving this, you know, this thing of thorns in his head. You're just waiting for him to just, you know, make him snap his fingers. The Bible says that all things are held together through Christ, that, that God in human form is actually holding the universe together, okay? That's a mind-blowing thing. If you think about it, the stars just, I downloaded another app for my phone as a Hubble telescope, like, uh, images from the Hubble telescope and stars and galaxies that are billions and millions and, and you know, hundreds of thousands of stars and hundreds of thousands of millions of galaxies and how small we are, right? How God shows us that, that how tiny we are in his creation, how big God is, how big his creation is. 
and how small we are. And the Bible goes so far as to say that he knows the hairs on every single one of our heads, that that's how in interconnected God is, how, how big he is, and how tiny that he sees things, that, that he is that connected, that he is Alpha and Omega. Okay, who made God? God always was and always will be. God is eternal. And that eternity, that eternality, he's planted in our hearts. That's why a lot of the stuff in the world just doesn't satisfy for long term, right? It just doesn't. And that's the ethic that I constantly go back to with grace, is that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to be punished in our place. That, that he sent Jesus to pay the punitive damage for our sin. And when we wake up to see that, it's like, that's the, that's the ethic that Jesus says, um, if you love me, keep my commandments. The second commandment is going to say, this is the wrath that's poured out on those who hate me. So a lot of our stuff, a lot of our sin that we continue to keep doing without really caring or without having a, a, a discipleship, this attitude that says, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to start to dig a little deeper. Maybe the surface stuff isn't working and I'm going to actually take in, take this in and figure out, you know, Jesus, I'm going to try to build my relationship with God. I pray that that's what I'm, I'm trying to get here with this. So if I go back to scripture, if we go back to the Bible instead of religion or psychology, um, just check this out. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, Romans 1, 22 through 32. Uh, I'm going to start 22 through 25. Uh, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, they gave themselves up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Um, that's what I talked about a lot in the last show, that when we worship idols, that this is what this, this is about, that when we create a God for ourselves, we are worshipping the creature rather than the creator right god created these things god sits outside of creation he's made these things for us to enjoy like i talked about in the last show to help us to love us to watch his his children enjoy life and instead of loving and thanking god for making those things we worship the things instead of the one who who created the things. One of the things that I've been, uh, a discipline that I've been watching and it's so permeant in our culture is this word luck, right? Well, you're lucky. Well, that was lucky. Well, that's awesome. This is luck over here. No, every blessing comes from God and I've been, you know, really watching myself, catching myself say that. Like, I am blessed. This is a blessing. This is awesome that God loves me this much that I would happen to be blessed in this way. It's just one of those little things. Luck can be a false god. Actually, the, the whole root word, if you look in the pagan cultures, comes from that. A false god. Luck. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing. God created everything. God is is the master over all of this. 
and that that we are we're here to enjoy his creation and not build things with our own hands or to wrap our fingers around the things of this earth and say mine um in the same uh the same scripture he's going to go in to uh Romans 26 for this reason, God gave them up in the dishonorable passions, for women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Uh, this is about homosexuality. Uh, I wanted to address this because I've been called... I, you know, somebody left a uh, review of the show saying uh, boycott hate. I do not hate people that are stuck in same-sex attraction or who would consider themselves homosexual. There's two different folks who have emailed me over the years on this. Um, one are people who are homosexual who would consider themselves homosexual, that that's part of their identity. And they would say, I want to be monogamous and I can't. And I don't want you to help me. Um, there's others who don't want to be in same-sex attraction. They don't understand why they're in same-sex attraction. They don't understand why they're, they're attracted to the same sex. Some of them, uh, are disgusted with the fact that they would, you know, kissing another man is, is gross to them, but having sex with another man, if they're a guy, is not. And why is that? Uh, I understand both of those, um, but what this scripture is going to talk about is identity. This is a great example of getting under just the things that are the do's and don'ts, the shoulds and ought to's, and going right for identity. And here's the deal about homosexuality, and you're, Russ, you're going to say that homosexuality is sin, and that scripture is going to say that homosexuality is sin. Listen, here's what I want you to understand that your sexual identity is not all of who you are, okay? I think that's a lie. I think you're believing a lie when you take that in. That having this, I'm a homosexual, or I'm gay, being the biggest part of your identity, that it's this huge 80% thing in your identity. Your sexual identity is not, this is, this is so important for you to understand, your sexual identity is such a fragment of who you are. It's such a small piece of who you are. And what I'm going to say is that if you understand that, and when you see that, that who you are underneath your sexual identity, underneath your job and your status and your friends and your, your social economic standing, who you are underneath that is so much bigger than those things, than those surface things or those level two things that I would say sexuality is. Um that this will go away, that you'll shed this like a dog. Like you'll shed it like a dog sheds hair, right? Like I said in the last episode. Like a bird molting its feathers. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to shame you, okay? I'm not shaming you into saying, oh, you know, shame on you for being a homosexual. Um, the, the Bible says that you have shame, committing shameless acts, men with men. Um, what does that mean then? Here's the deal. It's, it's an identity thing. Some of the freest people I know are gay people. In their in their identity and in their attitude and in their energy, they have shed this thing of shame, which is a good thing. Now, 
<laughs> not necessarily when it comes to sin, but if you don't believe that sin, then that's part of what I'm, my approach is on this, okay? Not that you're a sinner and you should feel guilty and you should feel shame, but that you don't feel shame and that in Christ, he takes our shame, okay? Christians should live with freedom, but not the kind of freedom that ends in pride, like I know everything and look at me, I'm better than you, but the kind of freedom that is... Um, it's like you don't think I know how this feels. I thought this guy in Albuquerque did this great talk that um, sometimes the bad news is the good news. That yeah, the the Bible's going to call that sin, but I get it, man. Like you know, well I have a proclivity towards it, and I was born this way, or you know, I was born not wanting to be monogamous. Okay, I was born with this white praying. Like you don't don't think I know how that feels to be praying and going. Why am I just so? Why can't I just be satisfied with my wife what is wrong with my identity that I've come to this place like it please I pray that you understand that it's an identity thing and until you get that you can't be shamed into it I don't think you can be um, finger pointed into it that it has to come from your own heart and you have to see that your identity isn't deep enough in who you are that's why it's sin because on this, uh, you know, level one, level two, uh, the three levels of identity is one of the books I'm kind of putting together. Um, one of the things that is is important is seeing our idols on on the surface. Like, I have a team of idols. All right, I'll be honest with you here, but this is a this is a struggle that we all have. I I struggle with idolatry. Right, um, my phone is an idol. Uh, I'm distracted by it. I got the phone. I like the phone. It's got a lot of features. It's got games. It's got all sorts of distracting things for me to do on there. And if I get wrapped up into it, I can worship the thing, right? Like my energy is tied up in it. Like I get mad if it's not working properly. Like if it's not, you know, stuff like that. Um, sports, uh, not so much anymore. I'm kind of shed some of that, but, uh, I don't, it's, it's it's worshiping these things. It's wrapping up my finger. You know, again, having your fingers tied around them, tightly clenched in them. Um, when your team loses, and it affects your your attitude throughout the day, start yelling at your kids and yelling at your wife because your team loses. There's idolatry there, right? You've made for yourself, carved for yourself, an idol that you're worshiping. That all that energy that emotional, intellectual, and spiritual energy is being poured out into this thing so much that it affects your attitude. And and Jesus is going to say, um, look a little deeper. The book of Hebrews is a book that I, I love in the Bible. If you want to study a book, you know, you get this uh, cross-connect app and you um, want to study a book, study the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is written to a religious culture of religious Jews at the time who believe Jesus, who believe, who become Christians, who understand that Jesus is God, who understand, you know, in their mind cognitively the blood of Christ, but they still are kind of stuck back into their own religious ways. And Hebrews 1 is going to talk about Jesus as this thing, right? It's one of those things that I've heard uh, argument of, of, well, Jesus isn't God because look at Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 talks about Jesus being you know, separate from God, or Jesus being over here, Jesus being this this thing. And I think what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say is that um, we've exchanged the truth for a lie, that Jesus is the sacrifice, 
Okay, and that whole first chapter of Hebrews is going to talk about Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, why Jesus came. You know, that kind of this getting it into them because what they're doing is they're worshiping, um, they're they're sacrificing cows and and pigs and and lambs and like the Old Testament sacrifices, they're still doing that. When Jesus has come to eliminate all of that, they're still sacrificing these things and not understanding that it's a deeper heart issue. What God has done is a little deeper than just the surface things that that these guys are doing religiously. The beginning of the book of Hebrews uh, starts out like this. Here's from the message uh, translation. I love this. Going through a long line of prophets, God has been addressing our ancestors in different ways for centuries. Recently, he spoke to us directly through his son. By his son, God created the world in the beginning, and it will all belong to the son in the end. This son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. He holds everything together by what he says powerful words um that god spoke the world into existence i love that and jesus is at the right hand of god and what the the whole book is going to go through this and i was thinking about a, a word picture that would describe this and again came up with another movie uh in my mind of um, the book of eli i don't know if you guys have seen this movie it's, it just came out on a dvd recently with denzel washington i love this movie it's kind of a post apocalyptic I don't know, uh, apocalypse, right? A po post-apocalyptic, there we go, post-apocalyptic -apoc uh, world where after this disaster has happened that they don't really talk too much about, you know, this, this big light went off and there was like a nuclear bomb went off and the whole world is kind of in that that way, right? That everybody's uh, kind of milling around and there's just not a lot of people. Most of the cities have been destroyed and Denzel Washington has this book and he's trying to protect this book, and he's he's been given uh, this task, this uh, this calling to protect this book, to get it where it needs to be, and to protect it. And through the the course of him doing this, um, he starts to learn that he needs to just not just you know study the book, understand the book, but to live the book out, and that the the ethics for example, that are in the book um, are, are, are a heart issue and that the people that he meets through his journey um, are to speak to what he's supposed to do. Uh, later on in the, book, the, the movie, we find out that the book is the Bible. The book of Eli in the movie is the Holy Bible. And that's what he's doing. There's another character, the villain character in the movie. He also wants the book and he sends these people after uh, Eli to get the book because he wants to control people on the other side, right? Like he doesn't want to read it to, to understand it for himself. He wants to read it, like I said in the, the last show, to make up rules for other people so he can control this little society of uh, folks that, that he has living in this um, this post-disaster world. Um, so... The book of Eli is a great example of that. And there's a lot of you out there who study the Bible, who know your Bible, who, uh, you know, you spend a lot of time in the Bible, you, you know the Bible front and back, and you're not connected with other folks. And you don't really care that much about being in community with, with other folks, right? That's why I talked about in the intro to the Decalogue, this, uh, this concept in social psychology of the... Uh, the immune system, right? The psychological immune system that we all have, that um, immune neglect, 
that uh, there's also this our immune system. I heard a, an article a while back. They were talking about this uh, that people who spend a lot of time in really solitary, really clean environments, like people who make uh, processors and stuff like that, they're in these dust-free environments, very super clean. Or people who are neat freaks, whose houses are super clean and disinfected and stuff. Those people go out in the world and they get sick easier. Okay. Um, immune neglect is kind of like that. Uh, this is a social psychology term that says that if you spend a lot of time alone without relationships with other people, you uh, you start to neglect your own immune system. Like you, your thoughts start to become all about yourself. You develop a kind of thought that's fast, cheap, and easy, right? Like it doesn't require any thinking about other people. It just requires you thinking about yourself. When you stay alone outside or even in your own cliques. I think that this can go on with just people that are, you just have a, a way of thinking that's all the same, right? If you stay with your religious friends, they all think the same as you do. You don't really have to think about other people who may not have the same views as you, right? That's why a lot of evangelicals um, don't like gay people or hate gay people because they don't know any, right? So they, they go into this immune neglect. Um, that's important that it, the book of Eli, that movie and the book of Hebrews is going to talk about um, you being connected in the social world, you loving God, worshiping God and understanding that God and not rules, God, and not morality, God is who you should be worshiping and not wrapping your fingers around your own sense of righteousness. That's idolatry. Okay, that's drilling a little deeper into identity. You think you're righteous. You're not. You hold a very small little scale of the law. That's why I'm talking about this. Okay? I love you guys. I want you to understand that. That studying the Bible and, and being and knowing your Bible and, and that is very important. I think it's very it's good, but it can become a God thing. It can be something that you put above God. Because you're not, and a good way to, to test that is you're not connected with other people. You don't talk to other people about your faith. You're, you're afraid of other folks. I get that. But don't make it an idol. Don't worship at it. Don't, you know, something you've created with your, your, your mind. Wrapping your fingers around that book and not wanting to talk about it with anybody. And in the movie, Denzel Washington starts to see that. He's like, I've been studying this thing for so long. Now I'm starting to learn that I need to live by it. <laughs> Love that. While this other guy is just freaking out, wanting the book so bad so he can control people. It's a great example of religion over the gospel. Um, Romans 1, 28, uh, continuing on. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what they ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. I love that that's thrown in there you know, for the kids. Um, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Um, that 
that, that's one thing I talked about in the first episode, uh, or the first the starting the intro to the Decalogue. I talked about that, how that 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 lamb analogy with Charles Stanley just so resonated with my soul, and so um, started to see that God really loves me like that. That your um, struggle, that pain, that hard times um, are not punitive. It's not God's punishment to you. God punished Jesus on the cross. Okay? This is not God's wrath. That one of the things that God, you know, in this in this scripture, God gave themself God gave them up to a debased mind to do not what not ought to be done. Um if you're not having hard times, things are all going well for you, if 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 it's not tough, uh that can be the passive wrath of God, okay? That you would just live your life like Brad Pitt or somebody and, and die and go to hell, I think is a worse fate. It is a worse fate than you having to suffer and go through hard times and loss and sorrow and things that bring you to your knees, okay? Where, where, where do we go when we're on our knees? Usually we go to God. When we're when we're busted, when we're broken, when we're hurting, when we're like, ah, oh, I can't do this. Please, God, help me. It's usually where God brings us to bring us back to Himself. That's why I love that analogy with the Lamb so much. That God's wrath is is just you know cutting the fishing line. You know, we're like a fish that we get, you know, he's pulling us in and he, and he loves us and he's pursuing us and he's after us. And uh, I think that the passive wrath of God is that. It's just giving us up to do what we shouldn't be doing and not letting us feel, not guilt, but not letting us feel conviction over it. I think guilt is from the other guy. I think Satan gives us guilt. A lot of people who kill themselves are just filled with guilt and shame. That's of the devil. It's not from God. And the end of that, that verse, and wrapping this whole thing up, they, though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is a lot of religion. This is a lot of what religious people do. They point the finger at others. They, they have their own gang of so-called righteous people around them. And they say, look what they do. You know, We don't do those things. Look how great we are giving approval to their own self-righteousness. This is, this is horrible. Uh, I'm guilty of that. Um, I'm guilty of idolatry. I'm an idolater. This Doing this show again is, is me repenting of idolatry because I, so, I got so wrapped up in the past it became part of my identity. Like I'm saving people, you know. Jesus isn't saving people. No, I'm saving people. Listen, I've been given the gift, right, to, to be able to do this and to be able to speak into people's lives. But when I start to exchange his creation, him creating me, him giving me this, the, you know, the, the talents and abilities I have to do, to, to take that and to make it God, to make it part of my identity, I'm the ASI guy. Look what I've done. I help people. People have sent in emails with very kind words, you know, changed my life, things you've said, uh, you know, and I started getting a big head over that in the past. I started, you know, neglect my family, um, just being so wrapped up in this being my identity, and that's idolatry, and God took it from me. I had to put it down. I had to stop for a while, more than once.
my anger becoming idolatry, going deeper into my, my own way I think things should be, and it making me angry inside, being fearful, and being scared of other people, being scared of having people close to me, being scared of, of just of authority, um, idolatry. And here's the biggest thing that I want you to understand, wrapping up the show, that, and I love you guys, but one of the biggest things that I've learned about idolatry is that it, t- it steals from us our identity, right? Um, here's some, some notes I have on the subject from the class on uh, the second commandment. Um, worshiping idols depersonalizes you. I was watching the, the show American Idol, where <laughs> there's a singing competition, right? All these folks are are competing to to win this you know record contract or to to be famous, and and um, one of the things that the judges will tell these people over and over again is just be you, just be you. Do the song as you, and sing the song. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from your spirit, whatever's inside you. I want to hear that come out. Um, another show, Last Comic Standing, is a, is a cool show, reality show that I like, where they go throughout the country and they try and find comedians and and they do these uh, bits, you know, they're real short bits, and they're trying to just trying to find funny people, good comedians. Um, which is another thing. If you're a pastor out there, a good thing for you to do. You don't have to agree with everything that comedians say, and I know some of that stuff's going to offend you. But watch their energy on stage, okay? Some of you guys are just boring. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Some of your churches aren't growing because you're just boring. And listen, if your church isn't growing, can I be honest? You're telling your neighborhood, you're telling your friends, you're telling um, your community that they can all go to hell. Can I be honest? All right? I know that that's not popular. I know that we shouldn't count nickels and noses, Russ. I agree. It's not about nickels and noses. It's not about butts and seats. It's about hearts and minds. It's about souls. And again, if your church isn't growing, you are, this is like something Rick Warren said that I love. You're telling your neighbors, your community, and your city that they can go to hell. So, just thought I'd throw that out for you. Um, but anyway, I digress a little bit there. But in the in the show, uh, Last Comic Standing, they'd say the same thing over and over again to these guys. It's like, try, stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to invent jokes and copy other people. Just be yourself. Just be yourself doing this. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for authenticity. And I love that that line that that's what idols do. Idols depersonalize who God created you to be. Do you see that? I pray that you see that. That whether it's sports teams or um, your sexual orientation, uh, whether that be hetero, homo, whatever it is, that that stuff can steal from you when you when you put so much of your identity in it it steals from you who you are your your personal you that god created naked and unashamed who you are it's starting to rain here on the studio you hear that anyway um hebrews 4 i talked about before um entering in his rest uh faith having faith that God knows what he's doing. He's a loving father who's in control. He's not out to destroy you. He's out. He's pursuing you, and he's lovingly pulling you closer to himself. He's after your heart. And I wanted to read you some, some quotes from this book, Born Slaves. 
uh, by Martin Luther. Uh, Born Slaves is a shorter version of this book. Um, the book that uh, Martin Luther wrote in 1525, The Bondage of the Will, that willpower is another form of bondage, is another form of slavery, it's another form of idolatry. I'm going to do it. I'm really going to do it. We get away from God. We don't use God to help us. We, we don't pray to God to help us. We just try and do it ourselves. It's another form of idolatry, something that gets stuck in our identity. Um, here's a, a quote from the book. Uh, you suggest that the words, if you are willing to keep, shows that man is able to choose freely. To argue like that is to judge God's word by human reason. But I can prove that even according to human reason, the words, if you are willing, do not always mean the ability to obey. For example, parents often tell their children to do something, not to prove what they can do, but to prove what they cannot do, so that they will learn to call for help. This is how God deals with us. He gives us his law to expose our complete inability to keep it. This is the teaching of Paul in the book of Romans and in the book of Galatians. And something that we understand far too well, like as an addicted person, as someone who's like, I want this to change. I hate that I keep doing this. And that's the big idea of this book that, that he's going to say, that, that Martin Luther's going to say over and over again. It is quite wrong to argue that the words, if you are willing, must mean, therefore you can. By free grace, many will be saved. There's another quote. Not only so, but I am glad to know that as a Christian, I please God, not because of what I do, but because of his grace. I work too little or too badly. He graciously pardons me and makes me better. This is the glory of all Christians. Human nature is so bad, even in people who have the spirit of God in them, not that not only do they fail to do what is right, but they even fight against it. <laughs> I love that. The whole of Scripture proclaims Christ as the only way of salvation. Anyone who is outside of Christ is under the power of Satan's sin and death and the wrath of God. Christ alone can rescue men from the kingdom of Satan. We are not delivered by any power within us, but only by the power of the grace of God. So I'm going to close with this. Um, do you look at the hardship and the and the hand you were dealt in life and the pain and all of the stuff? Do you look at it and do you run away from God? God's your father and you do have a relationship with him and he does love you. But are you running away from him or running to him? When when thing when you fail when you fall okay if you relapse and you fall and you feel horrible are you running back to God? Or are you running away from him? And that's what I really want you to understand. I really want you to focus on what I really want you to think about. That where are you in your identity? How do you see God? And how do you see yourself? And my argument is when you can start to see yourself through God's eyes, things start to change, man. Things start to change without you trying to force yourself to, to quit like a smoker or, or you know something like that it's you know it's that love and grace that that god sees us that he he loves us like a father like that 
like Matt Chandler in Texas has that great analogy where you're you're like a little kid. Nobody looks at a two-year-old who gets up and starts walking around. And he falls down on his butt and they shake their head in shame, shake their finger at him. Oh, that was horrible. No, they're up in joy. Whoa, he's up and walking around. That's your father. That's God who loves you. He wants you to walk. And he loves it and he delights in you. And he wants you to have pleasure. And he wants you to, to experience and enjoy the things in his creation. Just not to worship them. Just not to wrap your fingers around them. Just not to hold them so tightly like they're you. Outside of God. Outside of his love for you. Outside of him gifting you with some of these things. Like sexuality. Just understanding that. That God loves you. And he's gifted you with his grace, with his creative energy that he's put inside you to make you you. And I wanted to close with, with this um, with this song by Red Letter, one of the bands at Mars Hill. Uh, it's called uh, Led to the Slaughter. That's the, the name of the song. Um, question. For, and this is a lot of pastors and, and religious folks that are listening, uh, pastors, priests, uh, bishops. I don't. I don't know. Um, do you believe in the power of Jesus over the power of Doctor Phil? Uh, question. Okay. Do you believe in the power of Jesus over the power of religion, over stuffing it in from the outside, just stuffing in from the outside, more stuff, cramming it into your brain from the outside? Or, or can you start to see and start to understand and start to let go of some of that guard that you have around you, to let it get in your heart and move from the inside out? like a father loving his little kid. Can you start to see that that's God's relationship with you and with others? I love you guys. Uh, my name is Russ Shaw. The website is asi247.org. Thanks again for listening. Um, if you want to leave a donation, you can there. I'd certainly appreciate it. Just got a, a generous donation from a listener. Help pay for the domain names and help pay for a few more months of keeping this thing up. Um, thank you for that. Um, but more than donations, more than money, I, please pray for me. Please pray for for uh, for my continued repentance of idolatry that uh, this team of idols that, that continually knock on my door as well. You know, some of them play offense, and some of them play defense, and some of them run interference, and they're a continual part of my life. I admit to being an idolater, a serial idolater, and, and just constantly needing God to love me and delight in me when I get up and walk. So please pray, pray for me. Again, I love you guys. This is Red Letter. Um, send me an email, russ at asi247.org. Till next time, bye.